Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. to the saints at Living Hope. What a great honor it is to greet you tonight and join you for this online uh, worship experience and bring you the word of the Lord. I want to give honor to Pastor Staten this evening and thank him for the opportunity to be here with you. I was mildly disappointed that this pandemic has abruptly and uh, drastically altered our world and schedules. I was so looking forward to being with you in person and having the opportunity to experience uh, your great church and be with your wonderful pastor and his family. Uh, but alas, that is not so. But the good news is, is that uh, the mission of the church is going forward. God is not bound. And in this season, I have marveled at those words of Paul, who from a prison cell writes to Timothy and says, Though I am bound, the word of God is not bound. And I rejoice that the church is thriving in this hour. People are still being saved, still experiencing the power of God, and I'm confident we're going to do that here tonight together. I do want to take a moment and give honor to Pastor Staten and his family and thank him for extending us uh, this great invitation. And church, I hope you understand how blessed you are with great, great leaders. Uh, our organization is well aware of this because Pastor Staten uh, has been on many platforms and truly been a voice to a generation and I have always, always admired the sense of strong conviction that he leads with and the very evident love for family he has. And uh, I honor him today and I honor his family. And church, if, if you're watching on a platform that enables you to comment, if you're with us on Facebook Live this evening, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, this would be a wonderful time for you to get in the comments and let your pastor and his family know how much you love and appreciate them uh, for all they do for you and for this church. I promise you, as somebody who has traveled and seen many churches and interacted with many people, I promise you, you are blessed with incredible leadership. And we ought to give honor where honor is due. Amen. Uh, pastor Staten has asked me to take a few moments and share a little bit about myself, our family, and what we are doing. I am husband to a wonderful lady by the name of Haley, and we will have been married for 12 years this August, and we have three uh, beautiful sons. Our oldest, Carson, is eight years old. Our middle child, Sawyer, is five, and our youngest, Finn, just turned a year old last month. And so I thank God for his blessings, and I would not trade it for the world. Uh, we often got asked by friends after having three kids, how, how are you handling three kids? I uh, said, so, well, I'm not too sure. We're handling three kids. I think the three kids are handling us. And such was one reason I hoped to be at Living Hope. I was looking for family counsel on how to deal with a lot of children from the Statens. But no, I am, I am so thankful for God's blessing. And uh, he's been so kind to me. And I have not forgotten what it was like when God first saved me and where God brought me from. And so when I consider the family that God has blessed me with, I'm humbled that God would be so kind to me. 
For the past 10 years, we have served as the associate pastor at one church, a church that we helped plant in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia. But in the summer of 2016, after returning home from the nation of Spain, the Lord began to deal with us about a coming transition. And though it took three years to unfold, we are living in the reality of the promise and the prophecies that God gave us in that season. After subsequent trips to Europe in 2017, 18, and 19, it became clear and God opened the door and made known the path forward for our family. I had often told God, I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I'll move my family wherever you want my family to be. But I just, I need a word, God. I need, I need that sense of clarity that comes from no other way than in the voice of the Spirit, I need that. And if you give me that, I'll do it. Last September, I was in the nation of Latvia ministering at their national conference. Preparing on that Friday morning in my time of devotion, I had been reading the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I've read it before, as you have, I'm sure, but this day it leapt out at me unlike ever before. The Bible calls him the lad. We don't know his name. We know very little about him except for the fact he had a lunch prepared by his mother, I presume, that then he willingly offers so that others can be fed. And as I'm reading this in that moment, considering the fact that we really know very little about this lad, the Lord speaks to me these words. The nation where you sit is the lad, and here there is bread for the world. I knew at that moment the clarity that we had been waiting for had come. The door had opened and the time was now. As I returned from Latvia the week before General Conference, we began to have those necessary conversations with the spiritual authority in our life and initiated the process of transition, selling off possessions and detaching ourselves from, from where we were in this world, trying to adapt to this sense of of mobility so we could go where God said go and do what God said do. I'm happy to share with you that we are well on the way to being able uh, to take our feet off the ground, get on an airplane and make our way to the nation of Latvia, the land that the Lord has called us to. Though we will live in the city of Riga, its capital, which is home to some 800,000 people, and be heavily involved with the work there. Our specific assignment is to lead a strategic training initiative throughout Europe and the Middle East. Latvia will be home, but it will be a busy home as we are traveling, reaching into many different areas of the world, assisting national leaders and local pastors and church leaders, helping equip them and train them so they can more effectively reach the harvest that God has called them to reach. And it is an honor to join hands and partner with God in anything that He would ask us to do. But the reality is, is we cannot do this without the partnership of the North American Church. At the invitation of Pastor Staten, he has asked me to share a little bit with you this evening about how you can partner with us and make this possible. First and foremost, uh, we, we need your prayer. We know what the scripture says, that except the Lord builds the house, our labor is in vain. We cannot do this except by the power of the Spirit. And so I'm asking that you would partner 
with our family in prayer that you would cover my family, my wife and my children, myself in prayer, asking God to be a shield, a refuge, a source of strength, that we would remain in good health, that we would operate in peace of mind, the joy of the Lord would be our strength, that God would mightily anoint us to see His purpose done and His mission to go forward. I pray that you would also partner with us in praying over the nations of Europe and the Middle East. I'm asking that you would call the names of nations before God, asking Him to open doors that no man can shut. Many of these areas, especially in light of this present pandemic, are becoming increasingly difficult to access logistically. There are challenges, but this is what we know. God can make a way where there is no way. And so I'm asking you to call the names of nations before God. Ask Him to open doors that no man can shut. Pray that He would create uh, unique and strategic connections with the people that are necessary to give us access to facilitate the revival and the harvest that God has promised. And then secondly, uh, the truth remains that we cannot go unless you give. And so I'm humbly asking for your support today and your partnership in matters of finance and giving. Giving is an incredible thing that God would extend to us the invitation and the opportunity to sow into nations and to sow into cities that we may never physically stand in, but we'll be supernaturally changed because we gave. And the truth is, is that as much as we are going by faith on the call of God. We cannot do this without the partnership of the North American Church. And if you would desire to lift up your eyes and see that the fields of Europe and the Middle East are white and ready to harvest, then you can partner with us today first by giving a one-time offering. If you would like to do so, you can connect with Pastor Staten and he will make that possible and we will share the necessary information with him. But by giving a one-time offering, you are assisting us not only to get to the field, but to remain on the field. You are helping us develop training resources. You are helping us travel in and out of different nations of the world. Thank you for your consideration. Second way you can partner with us that is vitally important to our longevity on the field is by becoming a monthly partner in ministry. By becoming a monthly PIM, that monthly commitment enables us, it positions us for long-term sustainability and long-term impact on the field. I thank you for your consideration tonight. I'm humbled by your willingness to invest in the kingdom of God, particularly through our family. And I honor you for your consideration. Let's take a moment right now, and before we transition to the word of the Lord, would you take a moment and would you just join with me in prayer for the nations of the world? Father, I thank you for everything that you're doing right now. Working in ways that we do not see and do not always understand. But God, I'm asking that you would stretch forth your hand and begin to work through Europe and the Middle East. Father, I'm asking that you would open doors that no man can shut. I know it is difficult. Politically, it is challenging. Economically, it is challenging, God. And right now, in light of this present pandemic, it is ever so challenging. 
But you are not bound. The Spirit of God knows no limits. And so, Father, I pray for every nation through Europe. Jesus, I call on you right now. For every nation through the Middle East asking that the Spirit of wisdom and revelation would begin to move. Pour out the power of the Holy Ghost. Reveal yourself, God. Show who you are. You are the true God. You are the only God. Make yourself known. In Jesus' name I pray. We thank You, God. Living Hope, I thank You for Your consideration. I thank You for Your prayers. I thank You for Your sacrifice. Truly, all around the world, lives are being changed. Cities are being transformed. Nations are experiencing God because we pray, because we give, and because we go. And thank You. Thank You. I want to transition to the Word of the Lord now, and I want to direct your attention to Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 45. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him, notice that, assuming him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight on this title, Do You Know Where Jesus Is? Where is Jesus? It's the feast of the Passover in the text that we read, the annual celebration. And no doubt this is a most notable event on the Jewish calendar. Jews are traveling from afar, from the four corners of this country. They're coming to the city of Jerusalem to remember and rejoice. They have not forgotten the great exodus out of Egypt, how merciful God was in delivering them and their ancestors from Pharaoh and his armies. They call to memory that night of the Passover and the significance of the blood being applied to the doorposts and the death angel passing through the land and how he passed over their house. And they are grateful for God's mercy. They have not forgotten this. And so every year they come from afar for this most notable feast that Feast of the Passover, the most joyous of all feasts. And here they come. None are so important as this because they are who they are right now because of who they were and what happened back then. See, generationally, genealogy, time has passed. They are far removed, but they are deeply connected. Their spiritual DNA have not disconnected themselves from their history and from their ancestors generations prior is still very much forming who they are. They refuse to forsake their history. And now, like many other Jews, Joseph and Mary come to Jerusalem for this festival, this most joyous occasion. Now, by modern standards, it would be about a 143-kilometer journey with modern transportation. So one can only imagine in that day the commitment that this required for them to get there. And when they finally come to the city of Jerusalem, it is everything you could desire. The hustle of, of the streets is filled. There are 
Families everywhere, the occasion is marked with great joy, the atmosphere is filled with the thriving nature of thankful people and smiles everywhere, songs of gladness. This is an atmosphere that is filled with celebration and feasts and good food. This is, this is the place where everybody wants to be and most notable about this centered in the center of the story in the city, this grand structure towering over all. Here is the temple, the center of all spiritual activity. And they make their way to this ornate structure, this beautiful edifice, unmatched in its day. Somewhat fitting, perhaps, it is the house of God. And like every good camp meeting, like every good convention, like the greatness of a North American Youth Congress or General Conference, like every good Sunday service, like every Wednesday Bible study, like this online experience tonight, every good service eventually comes to an end. The feast is closed, the time of the temple is wrapping up. Mary and Joseph gather their things and begin the journey home. Now as difficult, especially as a parent, as it might seem for you and I to grasp, I can't imagine being Jesus' parents when after leaving the church and being one day into the journey home, then you come to this startling realization that Jesus is not with you. How in the world do you leave your son, especially knowing who your son is, and not know it? One would think you would be a little bit more considerate, more, more careful about his presence. You would know where he is. You would be certain that he is with you because you're not going to go anywhere without him. But somehow, way, beyond my personal comprehension, they've left the church. They've got a day's journey toward home. And then they realize Jesus is not with us. And in a season where circumstance and caution has resulted in the closing of church doors across this nation and others, the custom of gathering in church as we typically do has been temporarily suspended. I hope to God that you didn't leave Jesus in the church building. I hope in this season of quarantine where we find ourselves right now that you being confined to your home are not coming to the realization that Mary and Joseph did. That you left Him in the church and didn't realize it until you got home. Because friend, on more than one occasion I have observed many people who experience a breakthrough in the house of God but lose it at their home. They get the victory on Sunday but it's gone by Monday night. I've come to tell you tonight that we cannot afford in this unusual hour to let the presence of Jesus Christ be locked up in the church house. You can't afford to come to the startling realization that Mary and Joseph did and come to this understanding when you're on your journey home that He is not with me. That somehow, somewhere beyond understanding we, we forgot Him back in the temple. You need the presence of God. Too many victories won at church get lost at home. 
Too many breakthroughs that come at camps and conventions and conferences are lost when we get home. And could it be that in this unusual season, God is trying to balance the scales and somehow restore the spirituality of our homes, restore the spiritual atmosphere of our home? Friend, do not be guilty of this grievous error. Do not leave Jesus in the church and go home without Him. For as we are seeing in this day, if you have left Jesus in the church, friend, you're in trouble. Because we have been confined for several weeks without access to our buildings as is our custom. You cannot afford to leave Him in the church building and go home without Him. There are two great mistakes I see in this text I want to highlight for your consideration. Number one, the Bible said they supposing that He had been with them. They just assumed. They just took it for granted because every other time He had been there, they just assumed this time He's going to be there too. Assumption is a dangerous thing. We cannot assume that He is present. We must do whatever is necessary. Whatever is required, we must do it to ensure that the revealed, that the manifest presence of God is with us. God is not going to show up just because our building says church, because our sign says living hope. God is not going to show up just because there's instruments on a platform, friend. No, God is not going to show up because your Facebook profile identifies you as a Christian. Assumption is a dangerous thing. Do not assume He's going to be there because He always was. You have to take the necessary precautions. You have to make the necessary investment. You have to have an altar where God meets with you. God will not be our convenient tag along in a group of people. He must be our singular pursuit, the passion of our heart, the one that we seek after, the one we long for. God will not come on assumption. The second mistake is they looked in their friends and family when he could not be found. The implication seems to be that they were depending on somebody else to ensure his presence. And I want to challenge somebody tonight that you cannot keep living, you cannot keep walking like it is somebody else's responsibility to ensure the presence of God. Uh, pastor's not always going to be there to get it done for me. The singers aren't always going to be there. And if we're ever seeing that, we are seeing it in this day. Tradition has been taken from us and we are being forced to confront the reality that if we were confined to finding God in those things, we will not find. It is nobody's responsibility responsibility to ensure I am connected with God but mine when Jesus cast that wide invitation in Matthew 16 he said anybody can come anybody who desire I don't care if they're rich I don't care if they're poor I don't care if they're black or white I don't care what language they speak I don't care if they're a sinner or how great their sin well anybody can come but if they're going to come here's what they've got to do the first thing you've got to do is deny yourself Take up His cross and follow me. Nobody can do that for you. You have to take personal responsibility for your own spirituality. You have to make an altar. You have to connect with God. Nobody can live for God for you. The second scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Hear this. I beseech you, Paul said, 
by the mercies of God that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Paul pleads with them and says, I want for a minute you to consider how merciful God has been. How good has God been? To and when you consider that, here's what I'm asking you to do. Present yourself. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can make you connect with God. God Himself will not force you into the altar. But Paul said, I, I beseech you for a moment. Will you consider how merciful God has been to you? How gracious and kind and loving He has been. And in light of His mercy, here's what I'm asking you to do. Just give yourself to God. Surrender to God. Present yourself a living and holy sacrifice. Dangerous errors to assume that God will be there. Dangerous errors to assume that somebody else will ensure He's there. That there is ever a season tradition has been stripped from us for God to get intimately personal and to challenge the paradigms of our understanding and to take inventory on the spirituality of our homes. I submit to you, it's this day. They turn around and make their way back to Jerusalem. Three days have passed since their initial departure home now. They come and they find Jesus where? In the temple. The very place they had left Him. And Mary anxiously is troubled. She, she asks her child, Why have you done this? Do you know the sorrow that you have caused us? The grief you have made us feel? Jesus responds in Luke 2.49, Why did you seek Me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? The Bible says they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. This is what I call Jesus' understanding of his missional maturity. He comes to this place of maturity about his life mission. He understands. He comes to this point of understanding where he realizes I'm not like every other kid. I know who I am. I, I know what my life's purpose is. I know to what I have been called. I know why I'm here. And so while all the other kids are out on the playground, while everybody else is out kicking the ball in the field, we find Jesus in the temple with those who are well beyond Him in age and understanding, but He is not limited nor intimidated by them. He is engaging them in the Scripture and the law and the things of God. He knows who He has embraced his missional maturity. It's like he's telling his mother and father, I'm still your son. I'm the same Jesus you've always known and will always know. Nothing about me has changed except my understanding of who I am. And so some of the things I used to do, I might not do anymore. You might see a, a reevaluation of my time. I, I used to spend a lot of time at the park, but now I want to spend time with the preachers. I want to get in the church house. Take me to the temple. Let me talk about the Scripture because he is embracing who he is. There is a shift of focus in his life because he knows I'm not just here to be a boy. I've not come just to be a carpenter. I know my life's purpose. And can I tell you that there is a great shift happening in our world right now. We serve the same God we've always served. Jesus Christ 
has not changed. Hebrews said He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The prophets of old, He spoke through them and said, I am the Lord and I change not. God has not changed. But what is changing is the timeline on God's prophetic calendar. There is increased spiritual activity. There are significant spiritual shifts happening in the world. And while it might scare us on the surface, I want to remind you that God is in control. But there is a reality we must consider in the midst of this when there is so much change and so much turmoil. It can be hard sometimes to find God. It can be hard to hear His voice. It can be challenging to discern His movements in times like this. We've all found ourselves sometime or another in the past few weeks asking the question, God, what are you doing? But I want to remind you, God's in control. This pandemic is not too big of a problem for God. The corruption of governments is not greater than God's sin. will not stop God. God is moving His mission forward in the world right now. What is imperative for you and I is the truth of John 10 and 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We must know the voice of God. We have to have a word from God to still the voices of fear and the pressure of confusion. My sheep, He said, know my voice. Do you know where Jesus is? God forbid that we would be a few weeks into this pandemic and coming to the realization that my relationship with God was contingent upon all the things that happened in the church house. And here you are in your home struggling to connect with God. Do you know where Jesus is? But I have good news for you. In Luke 24, we find what is called the experience on the Emmaus Road. It starts early on a Sunday morning when these ladies have come to the tomb because their grief is unbearable. They are coming seeking closure. They're going to honor the memory of the man they love. He was a, he was a son. He was a brother. He was a good man. He was a prophet. And their faith has been shaken, but they hope somehow to come give him the closure he so desires. As they approach the tomb on this Sunday morning to their amazement, the stone is rolled away. They draw near and peer inside and they are stricken with grief beyond what they can compare to anything else. As if it was not enough that He was brutally crucified, now His body is missing. Who would do this? Where have they placed Him? There are so many questions that are not being answered until an angel of God appears and asks this Question, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here for He is risen. See, they came expecting Him to be there, but He is not where they think He is. Do you know where Jesus is? They're so shaken by this angelic encounter and the pronouncement of His resurrection, they run back to the city finding the eleven disciples, tell them what they have seen and heard. Now there is Peter, that quick to respond Peter. He's curious, desperately wanting to believe, but still so shaken by despair that doubt is, is nagging his heart. Nonetheless, they go. Searching, hoping, who knows what they really thought they would believe, but in Luke 24 and 13, we find two men traveling 
the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And when they talked together of all the things that had happened, they are conversing about their life and ministry with Christ. They are conversing about the miracles and the hope they had placed in Him. The, the sudden defeat and the cross and the death. They are talking about all the things that have transpired in Jerusalem in the recent weeks. Verse 15 says, So it was while they conversed in reason that Jesus Himself drew near and went with Him, but they did not perceive it. Do you know where Jesus is? Right now on this Wednesday night, do you know where Jesus is? I've come to tell you He is closer than you realize. He is right there walking with them on the road to Emmaus in the middle of their sorrow, in the middle of their frustration, in the middle of their questions, their hurt, their heartache. He's right there walking with them. They don't see it. They're too caught up in grief. They're too frustrated. They're too confused. Their, their life has been rattled. They can't make sense of the season and that has blinded them to the Savior. But I've come to preach to you tonight and to remind you that God is with you where you are right now in the living room sitting on the other end of your sofa standing over the back of your recliner on the other side of the dining room I don't know where you're watching from right now but I want you to increase your spiritual sensitivity right now I want you to be enlightened to the fact that Jesus is not confined to the church house maybe you were guilty of leaving him there but tonight on your Emmaus road he has showed up in the middle of your conversation that is dictated by fear in the middle of all the economic uncertainty, in the middle of your sickness and your despair, in the middle of your grief, in the middle of all that is troubling our world, all the conversations being had right now, I want you to hear me. Jesus is right there. The question is, can you perceive His presence? Friend, He is not confined to a church building. He's not confined to a team of singers. God does not need a piano and drums. He doesn't need a pulpit and a microphone. Yes, we'll use all those things. But I have come tonight to tell you, God is where you are. He is in the middle of your journey. He is in the middle of your conversation. The question is, can you get your focus off the pandemic? Can you take your eyes off the problem and can you fix them on the power of God? He is where you are right now. Hear this, John 20 and 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, catch this now, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Sounds an awful lot like our day. All we have to change is this. The doors were shut where the believers were assembled for fear of the virus. We're locked up in our homes. The world has been shut down. There's not a whole lot to do or too many places to go. A lot like there was in that day. They were fearing the repercussion of a Jewish revolt because what they had professed about this man and his body. There is so much uncertainty that they have confined. They're quarantined. They're on lockdown. And in that state, at that time, hear this, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, peace 
be unto you. Can I tell you what the Holy Ghost is speaking to us? What God is speaking to the world? What God is speaking to His people? He's showing up in homes right now. Coming through walls. Showing Himself. And saying, peace be unto you. Don't you let your faith be dictated by the economy. Peace be unto you. Don't you let a virus manipulate what you believe about my healing power. Peace be unto you. Don't you believe the lie of the enemy that I am not in control. Peace be unto you. I want somebody to hear me tonight. God is with you where you are. He's not confined to a church house. Don't be guilty of the grievous error of letting somebody else watch Him. You need God for yourself. You need God in your home. You need God in your apartment. You need God right now. And the good news is, is He is walking with you. He is with you. I don't know if you realized it. I don't know what you came expecting on this Wednesday night. But I want you to know God is not limited by the medium of technology. There can be and there will be a demonstration of His Spirit in your life right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I know the door. I know the day is unique. I know we feel trapped. I know we feel limited. But can I tell you what I feel like God is saying as He comes in this moment? You know what? He could have come and shown His power. He could have shown His strength. But in this moment of great vulnerability, the Bible says He shows His wounds. He shows His weakness. He lifts His hands that are marked with holes, pierced by nails. He shows his side where a spear has pierced him. He could have come and shown his strength because one might think strength is what would calm the worry. But instead, he shows his weakness. Can I tell you what I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying to his people right now? God is saying, you have tried to do this in your strength. Peter, you know what it's like to draw a sword in the garden to protect me. You know what it's like to push my mission forward in your own strength. But before I let you stand up on the day of Pentecost and open the door to the kingdom of God, you need to learn how to operate in weakness and not strength. And so Jesus humbles himself and shows his weakness to his disciples. He shows his wounds. Because if you will embrace your weakness, you will know God's strength. He humbled Himself, became obedient even to the death of the cross. And there, because He was willing to go where no one else would go and do what no one else would do, He rises from the grave, conquers death, hell, and the grave, victorious over sin. It was through weakness that the strength of God was revealed. And now He stands in a room with disciples who are captivated by fear, bound by unbelief. Because all they have known is pushing the kingdom forward through strength. And now Jesus comes and says the way forward is not through strength. It's through weakness. Paul would later ask God to remove a thorn from his flesh three times. But the Lord said, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, My grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, you ought to be happy 
because it's your weakness that has allowed you to know my strength. And I know in many ways we feel confined, we feel limited, we feel trapped, we are without all the things we are accustomed to. We don't have our building, we don't have our instruments, we, we don't have our systems. I know we feel weak, but I want you to hear me. It's from this position of weakness that we will come to discover the strength of Almighty God. The perspective being formed in this season of weakness is going to change how we live from this day forward. And when we go back into our buildings and we go back to our instruments and we go back to our systems and our programs, there is a perspective, there is a revelation, there is something that is changing us in this season to understand the power of embracing the weakness God has called us to. And so I close tonight by asking you this simple question, do you know where Jesus is? Don't be so blinded by grief. Don't be so caught up in, in the confusion. Don't be so distracted by fear and the voices that would lie to you that you are blinded to the fact He is walking with you on your Emmaus road. Do you know where He is? Friend, don't leave Him in the church. Take Him home with you. You need Him. Do you know where He is? You need Him. More now than ever, you need Him. Father, I pray right now for the precious people of Living Hope. I pray that in this season you would reveal your presence in their home in a manner like never before. God, I pray right now that the power of the Holy Ghost would begin to move through the living room. I'm asking God that you reveal glory would show up in their dining room. I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would begin to move, that the voice of God would speak to them. I'm asking, oh God, that you would show your power. If there is a sick body right now, I pray you would be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. To the mind that is weary with the season we are in, to the one who is surrendering to the powers of fear and confusion, I rebuke those forces of evil and I speak the name of Jesus over your mind right now. Receive the strength of God. Receive the joy of the Lord. As Jesus said, so we say, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. You know where Jesus is. He is right where you are. God bless you tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to share the word of the Lord with you. In Jesus' name. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.